Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life, and you are host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 155, What Worked in 2020, installment one with Rose Lounsbury. So Rose is one of our incredible I Heart My Life mastermind students, and about a month ago, she shared her list about what worked in 2020 with our entire mastermind community on a virtual retreat. Now, I was so blown away by this list that I knew we had to share it with a wider audience. So I invited Rose to jump on the podcast with me to talk all about what worked for her in her online business. Now, Rose, being the overachiever that she is, went above and beyond and also created a personal list. And today she's sharing both with you. Now, I want you to understand that Rose took her business from completely in-person to completely online in 2020. She basically started over. And yet she's created and generated more revenue this year than ever before. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're also going to talk about the personal wins that Rose had, like improving her health, transforming her relationship with her husband, really doing so much within her life and her business that I am truly still blown away by all of this transformation, especially in a year full of so much challenge. So as you're listening to this episode, make sure you listen for three key things. Of course, you're going to be inspired by what Rose shares, but definitely pay attention to your intuition. So not only listen to that inspiration, but listen for that intuition. So that intuition is going to tell you the things that you also want to implement in your life. So maybe when Rose talks about gratitude and her gratitude practice, that's something that resonates with you. Maybe one of her business tips is something that resonates with you. If so, listen to that and allow it to inspire you to take action. And that's the third thing we're listening for, that implementation. It's not enough just to be inspired. There are plenty of things out there that could evoke inspiration. We want to evoke action because that's the only way you're truly going to transform. All right, so I can't wait to get to this episode. Let's go ahead and dive in. This episode was sponsored by the I Heart My Life Mastermind. The I Heart My Life Mastermind is perfect for you if you already have a business and you're looking to scale. We cover tons of different topics. We cover marketing strategy, revenue planning, team processes, everything you need in terms of mindset, high performance, really taking care of yourself as well as your business, events, publicity. We literally have seven coaches under one umbrella to support you and give you the answers to all of your burning questions. We host regular weekly workshops where you get your personal questions answered. We have retreats. You have a private Slack channel where you get to ask questions 24-7. You have an extensive resource bank that helps you put in place our cash method in your own business and much, much more. This is one of the most inventive programs around. I don't know anyone else offering the service that we provide. So if you are interested in growing your business and transforming your life, definitely book a call with us to learn more. Go to iHeartMyLifeBooking.com and learn more about the I Heart My Life Mastermind. Hey everyone, it's Emily Williams here and I have an incredible guest with us today. And this is part of a little series we're doing around what has worked in 2020. So I'm going to let Rose introduce herself in just a second, but I want to preface this with saying that we are doing this to inspire you and to remind you that even in the craziest of years, anything is possible. You can grow your business. You can create more joy and happiness. And Rose is truly an example of all of 
of that. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into what worked for her in 2020 in terms of professionally as well as personally, just to inspire you to not only see that anything is possible, but to take what she used and, and learned in her business and apply it to your business. So Rose, welcome. I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Well, thanks, Emily. I'm super happy to be here with you. And yeah, I'm Rose Lounsbury. I am a simplicity coach and a keynote speaker and an author. And basically what I do is I help people live happier lives by owning less stuff. So that's me in a nutshell. I'm also a mom of triplets. So I have three 11-year-olds, two of whom are quarantining downstairs right now because they were exposed to a friend with COVID. So I'm, I'm doing all the things here in 2020. It's all happening at my house. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. Okay. Thank you for being here and for sharing this information with us. So I want to let everyone know that this is actually the third time I've heard you share this information. The first time was when we were hosting our I Heart My Life Mastermind virtual retreat. And we wanted to have a couple of um, the ladies in the mastermind share what worked for them in 2020. And I know when you shared your list, we were all blown away and multiple of the other ladies have said that they've watched the training again. They've read your list again. They really loved what you had to say. So I knew that we had to share this with a wider community just because you put so much thought and effort into not only that list, but into making 2020 super powerful and just really transformational for you and your family. So first and foremost, thank you. And I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was funny because you told us to do, for some reason, when you said to make the list of what worked in 2020, I took it as like, this is an assignment and I really have to do it. Like my inner like overachieving student came out and I'm like, okay, if Emily said to do it. And so I typed out this like big long list and then I realized nobody else had really done that. And I was like, oh, okay. No, but that's exactly what we wanted. I loved good, it. Good. So, so I'm sure, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I will share. I will share the list um, in all its glory um, with you and with everyone who's watching So and listening. So in terms of what worked for me in 2020 with growing my audience, I kind of started with sales and marketing. Like what worked for me in 2020 with sales and marketing, specifically growing my audience? And the biggest thing that worked for me was guest posting on a, a large blogger's website. I remember like the day after I guest posted on his site, I couldn't get into my email because I had so many new subscribers that I had to increase my email subscription so that I could access my email. So like that was like the happiest money I spent in 2020. Like, yes, let me pay more for these thousands of people who just joined me right on active campaign. And the other thing that really worked was I did a book swap with other authors. And this was something that I had done once before. And so I have a book on Amazon. And so me and like and other authors. There's a man who organized it. He got us all together and we gave away our books for free for like a 48 hour window, but you're leveraging the power of all the lists of all these different people. So that's another one where my list would grow by like a thousand or 2000 in a day, which to me is really significant. And so that was another really great growth tool for me for growing my audience. And the how other- did you get those opportunities? So the guest posting on the blog, this was a person, um, his name is Joshua Becker. So I blog about minimalism and simplicity. And there are like a few, like in the minimalism world, there are some like big people, like you're big in the minimalism world. And he's one of the big ones. And so I had coached with a friend of his 
who had encouraged me to reach out to him. And I had reached out like twice on email with no response. And I was like, oh, you know, he's not interested. And then out of the blue, he emailed me and said, hey, I was just contacted by this newspaper in Japan, which is apparently the biggest newspaper in Japan, like their New York Times. I don't remember the name of it. And they want to talk to a millennial minimalist. That's hard to say. Millennial minimalist in the United States to talk about the trend of minimalism in the U.S. And they asked me to recommend someone. He said, I'm only recommending recommending you and I won't give them any other names. And I was like, oh, wow. So maybe you did get those emails that I sent you, but you never responded to. I don't know. I didn't even know I was on his radar, but I'd reached out personally twice with no response. Then I get this, hey, let me have you be interviewed by this international paper. I'm like, okay, thank you, Joshua Becker. And so I I got interviewed by the reporter. And the funny thing is because she was speaking English, but it's all in Japanese. So I really have never followed up to see, like, I don't know how to see if that article ever came out, if I was featured in it or not. Anyway, that's a side story. But, um, so after that, I said, of course, thank you so much. The interview was great. I appreciated you recommending me and Hey, if it would be helpful to you, I'd, I'd love to give you some content that I think might be helpful for your readers. Here are a few posts. And he said, sure, which, you know, I need some content in two weeks. I was like, okay. And so that was how it, that was how it happened was it started with me cold outreaching to him with no response. And he, apparently he still read it. And then it was a thank you with a, Hey, let me see if I can help you by providing some content to your readers. And apparently what I provided him, he said it was one of their most popular um, ones for that. It, it was about towels. My Ted talks about how many towels do you need? So the post I wrote was very similar to my Ted talk um, with a little more detail. And it, it was very popular on his site. He said he was really impressed with how well it did. So that wow. was how that happened. I love that. And that's such a great reminder to be bold and to reach out to people. And to, again, you were bold, even when you reached out and you said, thank you, you told him the ways in which you could help him and provide them more value. You could have easily just said, thank you so much and just let it go. But again, you showed up and you told him how you could help. Yeah. And like, as I'm remembering it more now, I actually had even sent like a personal thank you note with a Starbucks gift card to him. So I had asked him for his address. I sent the personal note and the Starbucks gift card. I never got a response to that. But then again, I followed up again with the email with a thank you and the offer of of posting on his blog. So if anyone is listening and they need some encouragement to keep reaching out in ways that are helpful, like sometimes it takes multiple outreaches before somebody may respond to you. Um, but it doesn't mean that they're not noticing you, even if they're not responding to you. So that that's a good lesson that I learned from that experience. I love that. And then the book swap, you were invited to do that, but how did you get on that person's radar? I honestly don't know how I got on his radar. I don't know. I think he does these, his name's Jonathan Green. And I think he just, this is what he does. He grows, he grows his list by doing this. So he has book swaps for personal development, business development, different themes. And so I'm kind of in his rotation of people for personal development. And, and if I had to guess and see, you would tell me I should have asked him and I should have asked him. That's why you're the coach. Um, (laughs) But I didn't ask him how he found me. But I think it's because on Amazon, my book is on Amazon and I have a lot of reviews. I think I have like over a hundred reviews now. And 
it stays pretty well in like it, it leads in certain categories, certain like little niche categories that I put it under. So if you're looking for like maybe he thought, oh, I want someone who talks about simplicity and minimalism and he Googles and, and my book probably showed up as one that ranked OK. And then he was able to find me and contact me. And, you know, there are some people whose books probably rank that they wouldn't be interested in doing something like this. Maybe they're too too big for it or something. But I think I probably was like right in that area where I'm, I'm looking to grow my list and I'm interested in this. Um, so I think that's probably how he found me was Amazon continues to it continues to do pretty well on Amazon. So I would that's my guess. I don't know. Love it. Yeah. And we should probably say that at the beginning of 2020, your business was mostly in person, correct? Yes. Yeah. So my business at the beginning of 2020, so I started my business in 2015 as an in-home professional organizer. So I was going in person to people's homes here in Dayton, helping them one-on-one, let's declutter the closet and the kids' room and the pantry and all that stuff and make it beautiful before and afters, all that. And that's a great business and it was fun. But I realized actually about three years into the business that I had like tapped out at what I could earn doing my business that way. And so then the options kind of became, well, do you hire other people to like build a team to do this? Or I saw some of my friends starting to go online and build businesses online. I was like, that looks kind of cool and scary. And I don't know what that's about. And so I'd started like venturing out into online. So I was teaching an online course, a live course a couple times a year. Um, but it wasn't like the income I got from that didn't compare to the in-home professional organizing. And so I kind of started to see though, that this really was the way, like the, my friends who were growing their businesses quickly were doing it by going online. And everyone I saw who was being a professional organizer, the only way they were growing that business was by hiring team and continuing to work in person, which is a great model. I just wasn't really interested in managing teams of people to go into people's homes uh, with all the insurance and all the stuff that goes with that. And so I had known for probably at least a year that I needed to like cut off the in-home work. Like I had to cut it off if I was going to 100% go in with the online business plus my speaking business, which is what I also really love to do. But I never had the true courage to truly cut it off. Like I'd actually one time gotten brave enough and I texted all my clients and said, I'm I'm not going to be doing in-home work anymore. And then like two weeks later, I texted them all and said, no, I changed my mind. I'm still going to do it. So like I had done that. <laughs> and and then 2020 happens and and COVID hits and it just wipes it out like in one fell swoop. And I couldn't do it any anymore. And I was so grateful so grateful because I'm like, because it really relieves me of, of having to be as courageous in cutting it off myself. It like forced it. But what I knew was it's cutting it off and I'm not going back. Like when things open up again and it's safe to go in people's homes, like I'm going to use this, I'm going to build something that's going to go beyond this. And I'm not going back. Like COVID provides me that really great excuse to stop doing the business this way. But it's it's also when I'm gonna build the better thing, and then I'm I'm going forward in that way, and I and so yeah, I'm not going back to in home, in homework ever. Really? I actually just finally let go of my very very last special guy who I love so much. Just within the last couple of weeks, he was my like lone holdout person, and I had right. to, like finally gently like cut him off. And I I posted this in our Slack group, but 
the day he and I had the zoom call and, you know, it was just, wasn't going to work for him. And, and I, and I understood it and he understood it. We're still going to be friends. It's like breaking up in a way. <laughs> um, but, but I, I, I let go of my final last in-home person. And when I checked my email after getting off that zoom call with him, my most recent online client had paid her invoice and booked all her sessions. Oh my gosh. And so it was just this moment where I was like, when you let go of the thing that you need to let go of, the next thing is right there. And it just like gave me that faith that yes, it's okay to let go because the universe is going to provide me with that next thing. And I was just so affirmed and, and I could have felt really sad about letting him go. And it was bittersweet, but I was more than anything, just like affirmed and that that was the right decision and that this is the right path for me. So that really was the story of 2020 for me was stepping fully into an online coaching business where I make more money, work less time, and I reach more people as well. Like it's a win, win, win across the board uh, in 2020 for me in terms of the online business. So that's, that's the story of my business in 2020. Yeah. I wanted to set up that kind of framework because a lot of people are in the same space where they've had brick and mortar or in-person work or events or whatever it is. And now they're pivoting or they have pivoted. And I love your story and I love how life kind of did it for you. And we're hearing that more and more that COVID helped steer people in the right direction and the direction that they wanted to go in all along, but maybe were scared to do so, or it opened up more doors. And that's one of the reasons why it was so important for you to build your list because your business is now going to be online. So I wanted to kind of tie everything together before we go on to the next piece of what worked for you. So take us back to the list. All right, back to the list. There's more on here. There's much more. Um, all right. So the other thing that worked in terms of sales and marketing was any time that I did a webinar or did speaking. Like I have realized that most of my personal clients come from speaking events. And a lot of the people who sign up for my programs or my coaching come from speaking events. They've heard me talk somewhere, somehow. And I've just come to realize like that is the way that selling works the best for me. So um, I started doing webinars. So at the end of 2019, I started doing webinars as part of the launch for my six-week course. Prior to that, I had just done email and social media launches that had done okay. But when I started to see like the webinar actually was driving well over half the sales, I would get this like huge push of people from the webinar. And then I'd had this huge email series that followed after that. And there was just a few people that like trickled in with the email. So webinars worked for me. Um, even a Facebook live webinar that's really informal, or maybe I would just say, hey, it's a live Q&A webinar, submit your questions. And then I would just answer questions on Facebook live for, you know, 45 minutes, like those worked. And I would sell like in the middle of those. And then also at the end. So I took a little, little dance break in the middle. So I would do a dance party for a little bit and my kids would come in and we would dance. And after the dance party, I'd be like, okay, let's calm it down. And then I would provide an offer. And then I would continue to answer their questions or do my content. And then the offer would come up again. And that, that little series seemed to work pretty well. The dance party was, was fun. People enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Um, my membership program. So here's what worked with that. So I had started that about a year before, but it was not like really doing much. And it kind of felt like this like slow sluggish thing. And I didn't know how to like encourage people to join it. And so Kristen, one of the coaches in I Heart My Life said I needed to do exit calls 
a simplicity action plan calls with my students leaving my six-week class. So I started doing those and I would convert, you know, like 90% of the people who got on the calls would convert to my membership when I did those. So one-on-one attention works well, I think for everybody's business and definitely for mine. And then I started with, um, I started doing downsells into that membership program as well. So if someone was on a call with me for one-on-one coaching and it was like, well, they couldn't get their spouse on board or finances or whatever, and they, and we couldn't overcome the obstacle, I found that I could almost always downsell them into my um, membership, which actually just happened today. I had a person who I was, she really should do one-on-one coaching with me, but she's not ready. And so she's downsold into my membership. But also what I've done is when people downsell and I know they really need coaching, I follow up with them a month or two later, say, Hey, how's the membership working for you? Would you like to get on another call? And then I've even upsold people back into the coaching at that point. So that I figured out how to make that work. Like I never really had like a clear start here, move here, then here. If you're not ready for here, go here, but I'm going to come back with you and try to get you here. Like I never had a clear thread through what I offered. And now I can very clearly see the thread. So that's working. And I love your focus on the follow-up because I think, you know, we've talked about this in the mastermind that so many people forget that piece and it can be really overwhelming. Like, do you need a spreadsheet? How do you remember these people? You know, do you have to hunt for their email every time? You obviously need to make it as simple as possible and remind yourself who to follow up with and when, but most people forget that step and they forget this personal touch and what that provides to your students, like with the exit call and all the key things that you're doing that are working. It's all personalizing the experience and letting people know, you know, there's something for you now. And when you're ready, we have that next step. So really having that clear ascension model as well. Yeah. And I never had the clear ascension model before your mastermind. That was the big aha at the beginning of 2020 when I joined your mastermind and suddenly I saw it. I saw the one, two, three, and now it's like whoever comes in. I can kind of slot them in wherever I think they should go. And sometimes they go where I think they should go. And sometimes they go somewhere else. And then I try to move them where I think they should go. But once I could see it and I have my like basically three things that I'm offering, it was so much clearer and so much easier. So that is definitely. And and in terms of following up, I have a CRM and that I actually started it for my speaking business because with speaking, you have to follow up like crazy with people because they don't remember you at all. And so I started um, in my CRM, a speaking CRM and a coaching CRM. And that's, I keep those kind of side by side. And and because I was already in the practice of doing follow-up to do speaking gigs, I just started doing the same thing for coaching clients. And that has made a difference too. That's huge. Love it. All right. You want to know what else is working? I do. What's next? All right. We can move <laughs> off the business and talk about my, my personal life if you Love would it. like. Okay. Um, so my personal life, what worked, um, mindset. So I have these in categories, um, mindset was the first thing and the things that really worked. I started doing a daily gratitude practice for the first time. And I really had a negative Nancy attitude about the gratitude practice at first. I was like, this just write down what you're thankful for, like for real, like, come on. But I, you know, that's just evidence that you need a gratitude practice if that's what you think about a gratitude practice. So I have these just little 
little notebooks, little mini composition notebooks. And when I started it, I started, okay, in the morning, five things. And in the evening, five things. And I kind of was like forcing myself to do this morning, evening, five things. It's rigorous and not especially fun. And I was kind of like, I just don't know if this is going to work. But what I found, and this was only something I found as I started to do it was, I'm a person like type A kind of overachiever personality type person. And so I, I run my life by my lists and what I get done. And I often equate what I get done to how worthy I am. And so in the mornings, typically my first thought was, wake up, what do you got to do today? Okay. And I could see the list already in my head. And then the evening, the bookend of the day, here's what, what did you do today? And I'm trying to like justify my worth and my day by what I accomplished. So it's like, my days were starting and ending with this judgment of myself based on how much I got done, both ends. And when I started doing gratitude, I had this thing where I was like, you're not allowed to get out of bed until you're grateful for something. And so I would lay in there until I could think of something I was grateful for. Then I would get up and I'd write my five things. And so what I started to do is I changed the way that I thought about the beginning and the ending of my day. And I didn't realize that that was what was going to happen when I started doing this gratitude practice that everybody was talking about. But I started to really feel that like I don't anymore. And I'm on like day 190 something now because, um, of course, I write down which day it is. Amazing. And I've skipped some days here and there, too. Like, that's OK. Um, but it it changes how I wake up and it changes how I go to bed. Not that I still don't try to get a lot of things done during the day because I do. But it definitely, I mean, it like took the edge off that like initial judgment of yourself and that defeating feeling that I would go to bed with all the time, like feeling just defeated by my day. It really helped. So it's a simple thing, but that made a huge change. Um, I love that. I just want to interject really quick. I think yeah. that's so powerful. And when I started practicing gratitude as well, it was kind of, you know, I wasn't sure how it was going to work. I knew Oprah talked about it all the time. I thought, well, I'll just give it a try because I was willing to try anything at that point in time. And it was so, so powerful. And it really trains your mind to look at the positive and look at all the things that are going well. And like you said, you're so used to measuring yourself based on achievements. And that's exhausting. I'm totally that person as well. Like how many things did I tick off the list today? And so just reminding ourselves even to be grateful for the little things. Things. That's really where I started because when I started the practice, I was in the middle of my quarter life crisis. I had no friends. I had no money. All these things seemed to be going wrong, but I could always find something to be grateful for. And I think that's so important, especially this year. I mean, we've had people on our team who have had family members actually pass away from mm -hmm. COVID. And I was having a conversation with one of them and she said, well, you know what the blessing has been? I now have a relationship with my mother, which I didn't have before. And now, you know, we're closer than ever. And, and like looking at her expressing gratitude, even after, you know, experiencing loss just a few months before is it's such a reminder that there's always something to be grateful for, regardless of what your situation is. That's a beautiful thing. And, and I found that too, like practicing it, even in moments where I could feel myself starting to slip into, into negativity. And I can't always catch myself enough to do this every time, but especially at the beginning, like I would feel myself starting to spin into like the story of you're a failure, which is like one of my, like, you know, deep stories yeah. that I have to, to combat, I guess combat's not the right word, but I, I work against. Yeah. And so I would feel myself slipping into like, you're a failure. 
And so then I would, I would be like in my bathroom and I would just look around and it was like, what can I be? I'm so grateful for this running water. I'm so grateful for the lights. I'm grateful for towels. I'm grateful for like, I would just look around and be like, how many things can I be grateful for right here in my bathroom right now? And it was like, at a certain point it gets ridiculous and you almost laugh. Cause you're like, I'm so grateful for those like vitamin D pills that I take every day. <laughs> and like, it'll make you laugh, but it kind of like, it like snap, it, it really truly does snap you out of it. And sometimes I would even say it out loud. Like if I didn't think anybody was listening, like I would, cause I'm just like training myself to not go there and go here instead, go to what's good. Even if it's like there's running water and you have lights on and there are towels and there's toothpaste and you have a wonderful toothbrush, like all these things it's like getting your brain to like stop going down this route and like turn course. And so, yeah, the little things, it's really amazing what focusing on some of those little things can do on a much more large level. Yeah. And I actually just recorded a podcast episode all about gratitude and even the physical and chemical effects of it. So if anyone's interested in that, that's coming out on Thursday. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Yeah. Have a listen it's to more it. than we think it is. So I love that. All right. What else is on your personal list? What else worked? All right. Health, um, my yoga practice. So I started doing more yoga, which is so, you know, it sounds so stereotypical, like doing more yoga, but I really love it. I used to do a lot of um, what I would consider for me kind of like punishing exercise, like push-ups and like weightlifting and all that is good. And I, there's nothing wrong with it, but I, it was the attitude that I brought to some of that, which is like trying to like punish my body into submission. And I found that as I did more yoga this year, that I'm still doing a lot of like weightlifting and it's very strength-based and core-based and all that, but it was just so much gentler. Like it really tr- truly felt, and i my biggest sadness of 2020 is I can't go to my hot yoga studio because you, you're from Ohio. So you know how cold yeah. it gets. And like, you get in there and like the cold morning, it's like 90 degrees and you're like, oh yeah. You know, it's so great. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. And so I'm still doing it though in my living room and my hut. Now here's a cute story. My boys this morning, I tried to get my husband to do yoga with me and he would, and he was running late for work. And so my boys did yoga with me this morning. Like, so it's, it's kind of cool. Like I'm not in my yoga studio, but my, my sons are like doing yoga with me in the morning and it's just so sweet and great. So another like little blessing, right? My, my husband's been doing yoga and my boys have been doing yoga, which if I was going myself to my studio every morning, they wouldn't be doing it. Right. So that's kind of a cool thing in, in health is the yoga practice has really sustained me through some of the, the challenges of this time. And it's also spread and helped people in my family. Um, I eliminated alcohol this year, which is a, I would have never thought I'd be saying this, <laughs> that I stopped drinking alcohol. And it, it started actually at the end of 2019. Um, I just had seen several bloggers and podcasters I listened to who had had these different episodes about people who were like taking a, a break from drinking. I thought, well, what would that be like? I'm all about minimalism and letting go. Like if I just experimented with letting go of alcohol and see what happens as like an experiment. And, and what I noticed immediately was that I used alcohol to make myself feel more comfortable and better in a lot of situations that alcohol was actually a way that I was using um, to deal with my feelings of being uncomfortable or feeling like I wasn't good enough. Like, Oh, well I have a drink before I hang out with friends. So then I feel like I'm more fun or, you know, and you don't even, I didn't even realize that that was how I used it until I stopped using it. And I suddenly felt really awkward in a lot of situations. And so it forced me to sort of reconcile some things with myself. And so I haven't had a drink 
since it was October of 2019. So it's been over a year now. Um, I don't know if I'll continue doing this, but besides the emotional benefits of realizing like, you know, maybe you should deal with your feelings in a more healthy way. I also think physically I feel better because I was like a glass or two of wine a night on the weekends, maybe three or four Friday and Saturday. And you don't realize like you wake up feeling kind of bad if that's your MO, at least I did. And so physically I feel so much better. I can't imagine going back to it just because I'm afraid I'd start drinking every night again. Not like I was drinking a lot, but like one or two a night kind of adds up. So that's a health thing that's been, that's been good for me in 2020. Yeah. And I know alcohol affects your sleep as well. And I know that you've had to focus um, on other areas of health and you want to be energized for your business. So it all plays into each other. Yes. Yeah. So it definitely helps you sleep better when you haven't been drinking, which yes. seems counterintuitive to what many of us think. Right. Um, I can keep going on the list, Emily. Keep you going. Just keep you going. We love it. Okay. <laughs> happiness. Happiness is the next category. Uh, so saying no to more things has been great in 2020. And that also started in 2019. And then 2020, of course, forced us to, to say no to a lot of things. But I sort of started that already because the next level for me and my like simplifying journey is simplifying some of my expectations of myself, my need to fill my calendar to feel um, important, basically. And so I'd started like saying no to things, not volunteering for the PTO, opting out of being on that committee. And, and it was really very freeing and felt very rebellious for someone like me, who's always the one who said yes, and would like chair the committee and be the person who got it done. And so that kind of just continued and it just felt so freeing. And then of course, in 2020, we had to say no to basically every extracurricular thing that we did. And the added happiness benefit there for me was uh, being able to stay home and not having that pressure to feel like I needed to do things. My husband is a lawyer. And so his law firm in March shut down for probably about a month or two and he was home. And so we got to go on walks every day. We'd go on walks like twice a day. And it was just this really special time um, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had with him if it wasn't for COVID. Now his firm is open back up. So he's back at work. And I miss that. I miss, you know, we'd go for a walk at lunch and then for another one in the afternoon, it was really awesome. So I'm hoping maybe we'll try to find a way to work that back in here, but just overall the happiness, I think the, the more family time, which also creates stress as well, but not having my evenings just jam-packed with like run your kid to this activity and that activity. And then I'm going to this social event. And that's how the evenings often just felt like uh, just exhausting and not having that and just being like, I'm just going to hang out with my family and my kids and we're going to watch something on Nat Geo. And that's how it's going to be. It's actually improved my happiness. I'm naturally an introvert. So I like that. My extroverts out there probably would feel the opposite of some of that. But for me, I feel like I'm, I'm actually quite a bit happier, even though I'm also under more stress in a weird way. Um, the happiness has been good. I love that. And the piece around taking the walk, I think it's so important that people recognize, just like you said, how can I start to, you know, infuse this into my life on an ongoing basis? Even if my husband is now back at the office, that's something that you've mentioned, obviously, every time we've talked about this list, but I've heard you mention it a few times. And so that's one example where we can really pay attention to that and say, okay, well, how do I put that back into the normal routine, or at least do it a couple days a week when he gets home or whatever it is. 
um, because it obviously meant a lot to you. And I think that a lot of people have examples of that from the beginning of COVID when we had quarantine and all of those things happening. And we really need to recognize what those items were. Yeah. And I think we've started like on the weekends, we'll do the walks. And sometimes in the evening, if we have some time, we'll go do the walks. So I feel like the walk has kind of become a thing that we do now, which is before COVID, we didn't really do a lot of, let's just take a walk together. It just wasn't yeah. one of our activities. And now that's definitely an activity that we do together. So not as much as we did during March, but it's, it's still been good. Um, joy. I don't know why I have happiness and joy as two separate categories because they're kind of the same, but <laughs> in my list, I did, uh, I had a family time again, um, camping, baking, doing more reading, all those simple kinds of things, reading books, reading more books. So I've really taken to heart. I think it was James who told us don't read self-help books or personal improvement books before bed, like before bed, you should be reading novels. And so I've started reading novels in the evening and I find that it makes me really look forward to getting in bed because I can read another chapter or two of whatever book I'm reading. So that's been, that's been great in 2020. I've been writing my second book and I did take a little break from it for a while to do some personal development work so that I could write it more authentically, but I'm getting back to the writing of that book, which is something that brings me a lot of joy. Um, going for jogs, doing yoga, speaking events have been a joy for me. I've been doing all my speaking events virtually, of course, like everyone else. And even though I've really missed being in person with people, I found that the virtual events are still like a really big source of joy for me and that I enjoy connecting with people, even if it's virtual right now. And I do hope that we go back to some in-person events after all of this, because I miss that audience interaction. But I've enjoyed all my speaking events. Um, I think, let's see, I think we might be toward the end of the list there. Another Amazing. thing that's not on the list, but happened since I made the list for you guys at the October retreat was in terms of like personal things, I started going to therapy and that's not something that I would normally like tell people but it has really helped me so much. Even though, yes, I'm talking about all the good things in 2020, there's been a lot of stress, like with my kids being home and virtual schooling. And then my husband went back to work. And like right now, like I have two kids quarantining downstairs and, you know, like this is my real life. So I'm not here to say like my life is without stress. And so I started to realize, and, and also, um, I just kept coming up against things from my childhood, patterns from my childhood. I had a wonderful childhood, but we all learn our negative patterns, as you know, more than anybody. And I was like, I, I need to bust through these, like to get to where I want to go. I need to, to some help to bust through some of these because they're showing up in my life everywhere. And, and so I started going to a therapist who um, is helping me reprocess some of the the stories and events of my childhood. And it's, it's been just immensely helpful. And I'm so grateful that I found her and all our sessions are virtual and it's, it's wonderful. So that's been another thing that's gone really well. And the hardest part of all of it was just having the guts to, to seek out someone to do this work with me, because I think a lot of us were high achievers and, you know, you're successful and you manage everything and your house is clean, your kids have food and you think, well, I don't need any other additional help, but actually, um, it's a, it's amazing. Like when you humble yourself enough to realize like, like we can all receive help and it's a beautiful thing that it, it makes a big difference in our lives. So that's another thing that's 
been good in 2020. I feel like that's a huge theme of this year for you is really, you know, following your instincts and following your heart and releasing that ego and the judgment around what it should be. And just, you know, stepping on that path, one foot in front of the other and trusting that you're headed in the right direction. And it's been amazing to watch. Oh, well, thank you. You've been a big part of that story. You and James, that learning to trust myself, it sounds easy, but man, is that the most challenging thing that you can ever attempt to do. And I see it more and more, like it shows up more and more. And I know you guys see it as I post it. And it's probably easier for you to see than even me to see, because I'm right in it. Um, But it has been, there's been a huge shift for me. I'm so much less fearful. I was even James, we were on a call with him today for the mastermind. And I was talking about, he always makes us start with something you appreciate about yourself. And I told him, you know, I had this client who she needs me for one-on-one coaching. And we'd had the call. She, it was clear to her. I thought that she needed me. I sent her the contract. We were all ready to go. She scheduled the first session and then she canceled and backed out and said, I just, I'm not ready. And now like a year ago, I would have felt like, well, that's my, what's wrong with me. I'm a failure. I would go down to that story. But I was like, you know, this actually says a lot more about her than it does about me. And so I sent her a link to downsell her into my my other program. And I put her on my CRM to follow up in a month or two to reach out for another call. So I just sort of, it's like I didn't go into misery and despair. I just said, this is, this is not a reflection of me, but I'm going to still help her and serve her the best way that I can. And hopefully in a month or two, she'll be ready to start coaching with me. And until then, I'm going to serve her in my membership if she'll sign up for it. So it's like all those things kind of work together because there's like all that mindset piece there. But then also I had to have that business strategy behind it to be able to execute that. So maybe that's a good a good finale for this talk is like there's all those pieces coming together in my business, but also in my heart, right? Because I didn't mm-hmm. despair about that and I could have. And in the past I would have, um, but I didn't. And then so, yeah, so that's, just one example, maybe of how things have shifted for me. And in that moment, I could see it in myself. Like you're, this is different than how you used to handle failure. I was reacting differently. That makes me so happy. And, you know, for anyone watching, I do want to let people know that this type of transformation is available for you as well. We have spots open in our I Heart My Life Mastermind. That's the program that Rose is a part of. And we work with people every single day on mindset and business strategy because this is your life. It's not just about business. And like you said, Rose, you need both. Can you tell people just briefly how you made the decision to actually join the mastermind and anything that you would could say for anyone who's on the fence or who thinks I don't need it because I've experienced the same thing that you're talking about. I've had experience with people saying, oh, you know, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not ready for it. I realized recently people actually hide from me because they don't want to have to say, you know, they're scared of going to the next level. So what would you say about your experience and how you made the decision and anyone who um, is on the fence? So I made the decision to join the mastermind at the I Heart My Life live event in January that I went to. And I did not go to that event intending to sign up for a program. And I will tell you, so this is a good example of like where I was at at the beginning of 2020. I signed up because I saw, now here's the funny thing. 
every person that I was hanging out with at that event signed up for your programs, like Kristen Schneider, Christy Lingo, uh, Dawn, like all the people that I was around, they're all signing up. I'm like, well, everybody is signing up. I have to sign up <laughs> because I thought, you see, here was the thing though. I thought, well, their businesses are going to take off and then mine's not going to, and I'm going to be so jealous. Like I could see myself watching their businesses take off and then me staying stuck behind. And I'd seen that happen with other friends of mine who had invested in masterminds or programs and I hadn't, and I'd seen their businesses shoot up while I stayed where I was. And so I already knew that feeling of watching other people take the leap and you staying where you were. And so the reason that I signed up was because I didn't want to be left behind. So I guess it's like peer pressure or jealousy. I don't really know. It's probably not the best motivations, but that's honestly why I signed up for it. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to sit here anymore and watch my friends' businesses go forward and me be here. And I was terrified, like absolutely terrified. I paid in full and I didn't tell my husband. I didn't ask him. I I just signed up and paid for it. And then I was terrified because then I had to tell him. And then it was like, you know, not good because before you spend that much money, you should talk to your partner about it. But I had all these like crazy money stories, right? This is stuff that we're working on. Like I felt like I couldn't tell him. And so um, anyway, so I tell you that people listening, but just to know, like, this is not always like, oh yeah, 100% I'm in and it's going to feel great. Like it's terrifying. I cried a lot actually, but then I decided, and I actually had a call with another woman I'd met at the mastermind. Um, and she was the one who helped me with this perspective. She said, you know, you can, you can feel guilty about this and feel bad about this. Or you can say, I use expensive tools to get what I want. I'm going to, I paid for an expensive tool and I'm going to use this expensive tool to get me everything that I want. And so that helped me like flip the script. Like I'm going to show up. And so I showed up to pretty much every single call. I am going to ask a question on every single call. I am going to check in on that Slack program every week. Like I said, I'm going to use this tool. I am not going to spend this money. And then I felt bad and guilty about it and then not use it. No, I'm going to use it. And and the bad and guilty, that's all on me. That's like my old stories coming up that I'm working on, right? That I knew I needed to work on. So I, I hope this is helpful to people listening, but I'm so grateful that I did this because I often tell people if I ha- if I didn't have this mastermind, in March, when my business got wiped out, I would be the one of those people who's like sitting there like, oh, I can't wait for 2020 to be over so we can go back to normal. So I go back to doing exactly what I was doing before. No, I am a person who's like, 2020 has been challenging, but wonderful. It's provided me, I have, my business has grown in 2020. I am making more money at this point in my business in 2020 than I was in 2019. And I have a different business than I had in 2019. And that's because of this program, but it took the guts to do it. It took the guts to invest and have that faith, which I have so much more now than I did when I signed up. So I hope that that helps some of you do talk with your spouse before you spend that amount of money, not to get their permission, but to get their support. Cause otherwise it's bad. Don't do it the way I did it exactly, but do sign up um, because it's, it's really it's life-changing if you're willing to put the work in and show up for it. It's not going to do it for you, just like anything else. Um, but I'm super grateful, and I'm I'm just signed up for next year as well. So I've got a whole other year, and I'm excited about that. 
Thank you for sharing that. And that's such a beautiful illustration of what happens during the sign-up process for anything like this, because you transform just by making the decision. All the stuff that you were faced with, that's exactly what is supposed to happen. The old stories, the guilt, the fear, all of that. And now you're able to recognize, okay, great. That's what I was dealing with. I've transformed that. I've looked at it. I've been able to move through it. And now, like you said, you trust yourself much more now. You have the faith in yourself. You you know how to move through those doubts and fears. You know it's just your mind trying to keep you stuck, and it's your fear of the unknown. But when you're first signing up for something, you don't have that information. And so it's going to bring all of it to the surface. But that's all the more reason why you need a program like this, to be able to move through that so you don't stay in the same place. Yeah, Thank you, Rose. And it's funny because I see that, like with that client, the story I told you where she, she, I had sent her the contract, she scheduled the first session, then she canceled. Like what I saw in her was exactly the, I was like, that's how I was too, but I stick stuck with it right. <laughs> and stayed through it. But you, you see that behavior in other people and you know that it's just their fear and nothing else. And then it yeah. starts to help you see it in yourself too. Totally. Well, thank you so much for being here. And for anyone watching or listening, you can go to iheartmylife.com slash mastermind to apply. We are looking for women like Rose who are ready to show up, give it your all and be a part of one of the most incredible groups around. She deserves to be with people who are go-getters, people who have big dreams, people who are going to be inspirational. And that's the type of woman we're looking for in the I Heart My Life Mastermind. And thank you, Rose. I cannot wait to see what is in store for you in 2021. I can only imagine. I'm so grateful that you were here and that you're a part of our mastermind in the community because what you bring to every call, every you know chat in the Slack channel, it's just so inspirational to see you pop in and spread positivity and just to bring everything that you are to the group. So thank you so much for, for everything that you've given to us in 2020. I hope you loved today's episode. This type of transformation is possible for you too. So make sure you go to iheartmylife.com slash mastermind to learn more about this incredible program that truly does transform your life from the inside out. It also obviously creates massive business results. This is available for you just like it was for Rose. I'll look forward to talking to you on the next episode of the I Heart My Life show. We hope you love this episode. Thank you so much for being an avid listener of the I Heart My Life show. Take a second and leave a review. It would mean so much to us and we read all of them. And for further inspiration and life and business tips about creating a life that you love and achieving massive success, definitely follow us at I Heart My Life on Instagram and at I Heart My Life Now on Facebook. See you next time.